millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Story time. I was hiking the Appalachia when I was about 13 or so with my Boy Scout troop. We set up in a shelter with some through hikers who had been on the trail for a month or so and had respectfully walked down the trail to smoke some weed before we all settled down to crash for the night. We were 13 plus some adult leaders and they were early 20s. Anyway in a tired slash high delirium one you kept talking non-stop about how he used to work at Wendy's and all he wanted was a frosty Dr. Pepper float. The dude talked ab hour or so about frosty slash Dr. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Pepper floats. This was the early 90s and they weren't on the menu. Well, fast forward a decade or so and frosty floats are now on the menu and I'm not gonna lie. Dr. Pepper slash frosty float is awesome. I've seen some weird folks, but the worst were some drunk bear hunters. That's the only time in my life, as a fairly big slash athletic guy, that I thought I may get sexually assaulted. 
I was around 16 or so at the time and I could tell those guys were up to no good. I hope no smaller guys or women came across them because they set off every alarm I had. I hiked the Appalachia in 2018, and heard this story from someone I was hiking with. He was taking a break at the junction of the trail and a forest service road, deep in the backwoods of southern Virginia, the kind of place you wouldn't expect to see a soul. As he was finishing his granola bar, he heard the sound of hoofs approaching and turned around. Coming down the road, from higher up in the mountains, were four horseback riders. He said they dressed exactly like you'd imagine for true Appalachian folk. Wide-brimmed old school hats, duster jackets, clothes straight from the 1920s. The crazy part was the guy in the lead of the group, who looked like the patriarch of the family, had a double-barreled shotgun in one hand, leaning on his thigh as if on patrol. In his other arm, with his hand carefully cradling its head, was a very newborn baby swaddled in rags. Apparently they rode by, looked down on my buddy from way up on their horses as they passed, but no one said a word. They continued down the old forest road until out of sight and sound. My parents have a farm in Mississippi that's about 40 acres. Woods all around the place. Way back when, I was wandering around the back 40 just scoping out random things and doing nothing. Started walking deeper into the woods and thought I heard someone whisper my name. Well, I'm white but not that goddamn white so I did a 180, noped the F out, and got my ass back to the rest of the family at the house. Everyone we had at the house was there when I got back so no clue WTF was going on with the woods, but I've seen too many horror movies to blindly go investigate shit in the woods. My cousin was hiking on a trail near the Olympic Mountain Range in Washington State with a few friends. The trail lead all way to a cliff that immediately dropped off into the Pacific Ocean. On the way back the sun had gone down and it was nighttime his friends and him then spotted a group of about four people huddled surrounding what seemed like a campfire but they couldn't tell for sure because they were huddled around it. This didn't make any sense because the trail was only a few feet wide and starting a campfire would not be safe. Nonetheless he keeps walking closer to these people down the trail with his friends. Eventually they all call out to get these people's attention so they can move off the trail and let them pass, no response. As they get closer they keep calling out to them with no response. Eventually they're a few feet from the group of people and they realize there is no campfire but it feels like there is one and there's still a glowing light in the center of the huddled strangers. They ask once again for them to move and there's no response whatsoever. This gives everyone the chills and they all scoot by the group of strangers and immediately bolt down the trail about 100 feet they look back and no one is there. The trail is only a few feet wide so all the strangers could have done was walk forward to escape their vision but there's just no way unless all the strangers were the flash. They all just make it back to their cars as fast as they can. He later learned the trail used to be used for Native American rituals and burials so he thinks it might have been natives or native spirits. I went outside to feed farm life and heard a woman screaming in the woods. Because I live in the woods, I'm quite aware it was probably a cougar or wildcat so I grabbed my shotgun and went looking for the noise. It didn't move, just kept screeching. As I came into view I realized it was a young goat stuck in a fence panel. I helped slip his horns out and he sprinted off. Then I heard the screech again and decided I wasn't that concerned for my big old pigs and went home. Another time I was stock hunting squirrels deep in the forest and I heard male voices. No biggie, sounds echo in its public land. Then I heard we'll find him. And a whirring noise followed by intermittent beeping. I hide in a creek bed under a washed-out tree root network for an hour until I hadn't heard anything for a while then beeline to my house off the path through the rough stuff and hugging cover. What you are about to read is a warning. 
I beg you. I implore you, please, do not go hiking in the woods around Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I know those woods like the back of my hand. I was playing with my little brother among those trees when I was still in single-digit ages. So trust me when I say that something has been changing out there, and not for the better. I first noticed something was horribly wrong during a hike a few weeks back. In early spring, birds migrate back from the warmer, southern climates to their northern territories, en masse. Thousands upon thousands of tiny songbirds occupy the trees around Mount Greylock during the month of March, each singing a sweet, chirpy song that is, in reality, a bellowed war cry, a call for challengers to step up and knock them off their perch. Yet as I trudged through the previous winter's leaf litter, I couldn't hear a single goddamn thing. No birds, or any other animals for that matter, seemed to still call the forest home. This made me nervous for two reasons. One, animals have an uncanny ability to detect dangers that are imperceptible to humans. Their sense of smell, hearing and general atmospherics are far superior to our own. If the wildlife had fled the area in such a hurry, or at least refused to return, that could mean something awful was about happen. And two, areas of woodland turn exceptionally quiet when there is a large predator around. Wood pigeons will become deathly quiet and still, hoping a black bear or mountain lion will just pass them by. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but either way, it would be hideously unsafe of me to wander around while one was prowling the area. So naturally, I started making my way back towards my car, when something real peculiar happened. I feel I should remind you at this point that I'd been playing in the woods around Mount Greylock since I was like 7 or 8 years old. It's pretty far from where our family lived when I was a kid, but thanks to our bikes, we had a pretty large area to roam when it came to those long summer breaks. Point being, I know those woods, really well, but some way, somehow, I managed to get lost. It first came to my attention that I'd managed to get myself turned around when I felt my head begin to throb with a dull ache. I stopped walking for a moment, rubbing my eyes and the bridge of my nose to try and massage away the ache. But when I opened my eyes again, and looked around, I felt a faint flash of panic running through me. I did not recognize my surroundings. And I cannot understate how jarring that was for me, to be somewhere I'd been visiting all my life, only for it to feel utterly foreign to me. I actually had to take moment to take out my compass, just to try and get a bearing of where I was headed. But to my surprise, the compass needle kept slowly moving around, even when I got it to sit still on a supposed bearing, it slowly began creeping around again. Now, this was much less of a problem than it might appear. Sure, it was unnerving, but there are ways around a faulty compass. Like, for one, moss mostly grows on the north side of a tree, the side that gets the most sunlight. So that provided an easy way of determining which way was north. At least, it usually would. Because as I inspected various tree trunks, I realized the sun was hanging in the southern portion of the sky. That or the moss in this area grew mostly on the south section of the tree trunks. I get that it's not entirely out of the question. But that was yet another detail that just seemed to fry my brain. Nothing made sense, and the less it did, the more the feeling of pure panic began to bubble up in my chest. But to panic in that situation, in any kind of situation, is to welcome defeat, degradation and death. I kept myself calm, told me there was a rational explanation for everything that was occurring, and walked off in the direction I was almost sure the nearest highway was. It was then I came across something I'd never, ever seen in those woods before, something that seemed so out of place that it was frankly terrifying. In all the years I'd spent roaming those woods with my brother as a kid, I'd never seen anything like the old, run-down cabin that stood before me. And I mean it was old, as in there was no way it could have been built any later than like 1979, so just how me and my brother had missed this place was utterly beyond me. The obvious thing to do was to knock on the cabin door, see if anyone was home, and as much as I might find it humiliating, ask for directions. 
But as I walked closer and closer towards the rustic front door, I felt the most unusual sensation. I put it down to general tiredness, maybe my blood sugar was low, I'm not entirely sure, but for whatever reason, each footstep that took me closer to the cabin seemed more and more difficult. By the time I was actually bringing a closed fist up to knock on that old wooden door, it felt like something was physically repelling me from it, whispering directly into my brain, leave this place and never return, don't look back, never look back. When I finally knocked, the door creaked open slightly, revealing the dilapidation behind it. Whatever bolts or locks that were on the door had long since been worn away, and the inside was just as run down and rotten as the outside was. It was evidently abandoned, but there was a curious order to the furniture that led me to believe that, every so often, the cabin did actually receive some visitors, aside from me. But something in the corner of the cabin drew my attention. I saw drew my attention, what I'm about to attempt to describe is, quite frankly, indescribable. I know it was a wooden idol of some kind, a small statuette sat atop of a stone altar. But, and I appreciate this is intensely confusing to read, I could not make sense of what I was looking at. It was like my brain was completely incapable of computing the information my eyes were feeding it. And with that, my headache returned again, along with a kind of anxiety so crushing that I felt like I was going to have a panic attack. Don't ask me how I know, but that wooden idol, a mess of twigs and vines and moss, was a representation of pure, unfiltered evil. And I ran from it, I'm not in the least bit ashamed to admit that I ran like a scared child from that cabin. And into the night. The night. You read that right, when I walked into that cabin, it was still daylight. I couldn't have been there for more than a couple of minutes, at least, that's what it felt like. Only when I burst through that wooden door, it was pitched black outside. I ran until I found the highway, ran until I found my car, and drove like a madman until I was safely back at home. I haven't been able to bring myself to talk about what happened to me that day, until now. I tried to tell a hunting buddy of mine once, but, the words just wouldn't seem to come out. But please, if you're reading this, heed my warning and do not go hiking in the woods around Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Right after I graduated high school I went on a camping trip with my friends. One night we decided to go on a night hike. First on our drive up the first part of the mountain it was just really creepy so we were already spooked. Then I almost drove off the side of the mountain it was a gravel road that I should have been driving a jeep on and instead drove a minivan. It was all a recipe for disaster but we stuck to it. Finally get start our hike. No cars or anything are there. Hadn't seen any cars the whole 30 mile drive there. And as we are walking we see a bunch of people all in a circle twirling fire. It freaks us out and we all race back to the car and book it out of there. The backwoods of North Carolina are full of old, sleeping houses that ought to be torn down. They dream only awful things. I grew up in a very, very small farm town with a population below 150 or so people. I won't name drop the town for obvious reasons and even if I did you wouldn't find anything to write home about. There's a caution light and several abandoned buildings a barely functional gas station that will grossly overcharge you and that's about it. You go more than half of a mile in any direction and you will officially be outside of the city limits, though there are dozens of people who live in these heavily wooded farmlands that call the town home simply because it's the closest thing in shouting distance though, that would be akin to saying that Mars was within shouting distance of Earth. I've had a few experiences in these woods that I cannot fully explain. I can describe them and I will but I cannot offer any scientific explanation for them. I know that tales of Wendigos and skinwalkers and other natural forest demon spooks are popular but Wendigos are a creature that belong to the tribal legends of tribes centered around the Great Lakes region of the northern United States, Wisconsin, Michigan, and into the eastern coast of Canada. 
Skinwalkers are exclusively tied to the Navajo religion and Navajo grounds which are in the deserts of the far west of the United States. Keep that in the back of your mind as you read this. I first began to notice the presence when I was around 12 years old. Playing in the woods was really the only pastime I had available to me outside of playing video games, but video games got old rather quickly. I was an only child and there weren't any other children in the area, so exploring the woods was a good outlet for my imagination. Prior to my first real experience, the spookiest thing in the woods around here would have been a venomous snake. Even then, the snakes we have aren't likely to kill you unless you just seriously neglect the wound or have an allergic reaction. Aside from them, the largest predators we have are coyotes, which are mostly afraid of humans, and the rare cougar that happens to be passing through, which is so infrequent that it isn't worth worrying over. So the first day in question was a normal summer day. I was out hiking, collecting rocks, building forts out of sticks you know, the standard things a 12-year-old boy does. It was about sundown and I wasn't quite ready to head home yet when I noticed something was off. During the summer in North Carolina, the woods are anything but quiet. You have a cacophony of sounds cicadas, crickets, frogs, birds there's a whole chorus of wildlife that all wants to be heard. Heck, you may even get the occasional coyote pack howling or bobcat screaming. The point of this is that the woods are far from quiet, and sudden silence in the wood in these times is not an accident. But that's precisely what I noticed. All of the noises had stopped. I could hear the wind between the mixture of old growth and pines and I could hear the distant babbling of a creek, but that was it. This was strange to me, but at the time, I didn't realize what an ill omen it was in and of itself. I actually remember thinking that the water sounded peaceful and walking deeper into the woods to listen to it better. As I did, though, I began to get this overwhelming sense of foreboding. It wasn't the standard I feel like I'm being watched. No, I didn't feel any eyes on me or feel like I was being followed or any of those standard paranoias. No. This was like. Have you ever stayed at a party too? You know, you got there at 9 and now it's 2 a.m., and suddenly you realize that you don't know anyone who is still there? You also didn't see this new guy come in, but he's glaring at you, and come to think about it, so was that girl in the kitchen. You've overstayed your welcome and it's probably time to go. That's exactly what it felt like, even if I lacked the metaphor to express it at the time. The air itself felt heavy. Everything in my mind and body was screaming at me that I needed to leave that this place was not mine anymore. It had been fine in the morning hours, but now? This was the domain of someone or something else, and I wasn't welcome. I remember feeling as if the trees were. Warning me. Leave, or else. So I did. Initially, I walked, but by the time the sun had begun its descent and the sky had begun to darken in the twilight, I was jogging. I never broke into a full-on sprint. I don't know why, but I felt showing too much fear was a bad idea. Eventually, I made it back to the road and looked back to the woods. I didn't see anything but that's when the feeling of being watched set in. I felt that there were eyes, just beyond the tree line and out of sight and they were staring right back at mine. I went home and pushed the experience out of my mind as best as I could. From then on, I made it a point to always be out of the woods by dark or to have a firearm with me if I knew I was staying later. I should note that there were several times after that I wound up in the woods at dusk but did not have this feeling return. There weren't any special circumstances that seemed to summon it just sometimes, things were fine. Others? I all but sprinted for civilization. I didn't have any more overt experiences, however, until years later. I don't know what the catalyst was, but the activity ramped up dramatically in a year's span. The first experience like this was in October of 2018, and since then, the woods have gone from a home for the occasional unsettling experience to a place of actual danger and terror. I went camping with some college friends of mine during the October in question. In total, there were just three of us and we were mostly roughing it we had a tent, but we chopped our own firewood and all of that jazz. We camped pretty deep in the woods. 
It was dark by the time we were fully set up and had finished cooking. We ate, and then we proceeded to get very drunk. I don't know how much we actually drank, as we were just sipping out of a handle of vodka and passing it around the campfire as we talked about everything from ghost stories to the more tangible fears in our lives such as our dating lives and the prospect of post-graduation plans. This went on well into the night, with the stories growing more nonsensical and the laughter growing louder as the bottle grew lighter. By 1.30 am or so, it had grown deathly cold. I decided that was a night for me, and that I was going to get into my sleeping bag. The other two weren't ready to sleep yet, and one of my friends will call him Frank decided he wanted to smoke a cigarette. Meanwhile, the other friend will call him Tim decided that this was a good time for him to go climb a large rock about 70 or so yards away from the tent. Frank begrudgingly goes to supervise him while he finishes off his cigarette. So they're both a good 70, maybe 80 yards away from the tent. I'm now in my sleeping bag and trying to fall asleep and I can hear them laughing and talking and it's obviously far away. It's right at this time that something heavy slams into the side of the tent, like, heavy enough that I'm surprised the tent didn't collapse. I didn't move. I was drunk, but not so drunk as to not realize that whatever was out there didn't stop by to borrow a cup of sugar. That sense of dread filled me at once, and even though I had my shotgun with me, I couldn't bring myself to reach for it. I felt staying still was a safer approach. I heard something breathing. It wasn't human breathing, though. This was loud and weirdly wet sounding. It wasn't sniffing or anything like that just deeply breathing. This only went on for a total of fewer than 10 seconds, and all at once, it was gone. No footsteps. No banging on the tent. No gradual decline in breathing. Nothing. It was gone, and Frank and Tim had never seen that it was there, let alone what it might have been. It's honestly probably best that they didn't. They stayed up a while longer before turning in. I woke up first and stepped out to see if there were any footprints. There weren't, but there was something more ominous. The entire clearing we were camping in now had scattered throughout the grass and early morning frost circles of bone. Not large bones, no, but crushed up and arranged bones of small creatures like a rabbit or a small bird maybe. I would assume we were in a predator's hunting ground, save for the fact that the bones were neatly arranged in circles all of the same sizes, and with equal spacing. I woke Tim and Frank up. We packed up and left immediately. This last experience is the most recent and the most intense. There was a meteor shower not too long ago, and I returned to the clearing where my friends and I went camping to observe it as there is very little light pollution in it. It was stellar, and I loved every second of it, but I wasn't out there long when my dog, I brought him with me, he's good company, started acting strange. He had pinned his hair back while lying down and was now staring very intently at the tree line. He wasn't barking or growling he was silent, and just watching. It was strange, but I assumed he'd caught wind of a deer or other prey animal and he was on the hunt, though he was far too lazy to actually go chase it. After a moment, a nearby coyote howled. I felt a wave of relief as my dog's behavior was beginning to make me uneasy. He was just tense because of the coyote and it would pass. There was something wrong, though. First, Coyotes hunt in packs it's extremely uncommon for a solo coyote to hunt and howl like this. Second, my dog had begun to whimper, now, and was shying back to the edge of the truck as though he were afraid. And the coyote was drawing closer, it seemed. My brain began connecting a lot of dots. The woods were silent, that feeling had returned, I was in the same spot as the last encounter and then I registered the sound of branches breaking. Coyotes aren't heavy enough to do that, I thought. And the second I did as though whatever was out there had waited for me to realize that the coyote stopped pretending to be one. Or at least, it. I don't know. It stopped howling. It then erupted into the most horrible sound I have ever heard. The coyote was laughing. It wasn't a hyena sort of laugh, though. It was this garbled, 
mangled mess of sound that sounded like an animal trying and doing a piss-poor job to impersonate the cadence of human laughter. And it was on this recording track where after every fourth laugh it seemed to loop. It was rapidly growing louder over the sound of breaking branches. I frantically jumped up, grabbed my dog, and fumbled for my truck keys to get out of there. As I tried to get my keys and get my door open, the laugh stopped only for this guttural and deep scream to resound from the forest. I say deep to emphasize that it wasn't a bobcat or fox. They have high-pitched sounds. This was very, low. It had the same pitch as say, a roar, but it was in that same horribly botched nonsense that the laugh was in. Of course, the laughter resumed immediately but as I got in my truck and turned the lights on, dead silence. In a moment of stupid bravado and curiosity, I turned my truck towards the tree line before I left to shine my headlights and see if I saw anything. Between the trees, I saw what seemed to be a man. He was of average height and wearing a white t-shirt and I assume blue jeans, though I could not see a face or arms or anything of that nature just his silhouette and his clothes. In hindsight, I think he was only a silhouette, maybe. I blinked, and he was gone. That's my story. I don't know what is in the backwoods of North Carolina. I don't want to know, and it's probably best you don't try to find out. It doesn't seem too welcoming to strangers. Two cops. A weird story. There was a spot we went camping all the time. You had to park and walk out there about half a mile. It was remote but just off some main roads. We got there a little late and it was already getting dark. It took a little while to set up camp. We had a little trouble getting the fire going but managed too. We were just getting settled and these two fully uniformed cops walked into the camp. I swear I don't know how we didn't hear them. They must have really been trying to be silent. They were immediately aggressive and demanding. They didn't pull their guns but they had their hands on their holsters. They made us all stand together and went through all our gear. They looked in the fire and really got suspicious because they saw some burned business cards and other bits of paper in the fire. After a while we finally got the story. Someone called the cops saying they saw four people carrying a body into the woods. It was obviously our camping gear. When the cops saw the bits of paper in the fire they thought we were burning the items of the person we killed, we were just trying to get the fire started. They finally left because it was obviously four kids camping and some idiot reported it as a crime. The cops said something like we will be back. Of course they never came back. My name is Isabel and I live in the Pacific Northwest, in the great, green state of Washington to be exact. One of my New Year's resolutions for 2020 was to lose the extra weight I had accumulated during my first pregnancy, weight that had sapped my confidence and left me feeling kinda dumpy. My husband always told me he didn't mind, that he loved me no matter what, but I minded. It might sound a little tradwife of me, but I want to look my best for him just like he looks his best for me. But the trouble is, I've never, ever enjoyed that vibe that seems to hang in air at co-ed gyms. Some places have members that seem to care only about hooking up or ogling each other, while some female-only gyms are so underfunded that they just aren't worth going to. So, I took up hiking. I always figured the outdoors would be super good for my mental health and I'd gone for walks in the woods as part of fighting off the postnatal depression, which were very effective at doing so. I remember how excited I was, driving out to a sporting goods store to pick up a snug pair of hiking boots, along with a lot of colorful waterproof gear, mostly in lilac, my favorite color. It felt like the start of something wonderful but my first serious solo hike in the woods was set to be anything but relaxing or uplifting and it left me with a greater respect for nature's wraith than I ever thought was possible. My husband and I arranged for him to look after the baby while I drove out to Olympic National Forest for an afternoon of hiking. All went swimmingly for about an hour or two, as I pushed myself up hills, feeling my thighs burning, then trembling when they felt the relief of a downslope. It felt amazing, exhilarating, 
truly uplifting, at least, until I took a tumble. I think my boot caught a rock or something, hidden among the earth, but whatever happened, I found myself rolling around in the dirt beneath me, holding onto my ankle as I grimaced in pain. I found I could still put a little weight on it, so it couldn't have been worse than a strain, but it still hurt like the devil. That's when the strangest, most adorable thing happened to me. A crow, a little cawing, black feathered guy, flew down from a tree, landed on a tree stump nearby, and began to flap his wings. He was doing little jumps, flapping all the while, cawing his little head off like he was singing for his supper. He had saw me take a fall, and was flying down to see if I was okay. I mean, that's what it seemed like, because as soon as I said like, yeah, I'm fine, just scared myself is all, he quietened down and began eyeing me with each of the tiny, black pebbles set into his skull. With my ankle still aching a little, I picked myself up, said goodbye to my new crow buddy, then began to limp back towards my car. What happened next seemed like the sweetest thing ever. My new little crow buddy actually followed me. Yep, he followed me, so close too, just making sure I was okay as I was shuffling back to my car. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. He flew from tree to tree, always sticking close, cawing every so often, just to let me know he was still there to watch over me. It was honestly such a boost, the fall has really rocked my confidence, and to know that nature had its own way of being so kind, so compassionate, it really picked me up at a time I absolutely needed it. However, it wasn't long until my ankle began to really swell up from the sprain. And obviously, with the swelling, came an increased amount of pain. Now, I know this might sound crazy, but that intense pain, and my inability to properly escape it, it brought back the memories of childbirth, and as I sat there on a fallen log, taking the weight off of my ankle, I found myself bursting into tears. And just like something out of a Disney movie, down swooped my little crow friend, who began his same little song and dance of concern. It made my heart swell at the time, it really did, it really was like Disney story or something, the crying princess and her little bird friend. But then, in what I thought was a beautiful moment, I heard something that made my blood run cold. Something was moving through trees about a hundred yards up the slope, something huge, something that drooled when it saw me sitting on that fallen log. It was a grizzly bear, fresh out of hibernation, and it was starving. What I thought was my little crow friend began its song and dance again, only this time, it was intensely more frenzied than it had been before. I thought it was a warning, I couldn't have been more wrong. The bear began a rapid descent down the slope towards me, panting as it hurtled through the trees. But I was ready for it. I'd managed to pick up the most potent bear mace I could get my hands on, one of the things my new Reddit hiking buddies had insisted I purchase. I pulled it out, flipped off the safety catch, and sprayed a huge mist of bright yellow mace into the air in front of me. I was terrified, convinced that it just wouldn't work for some reason, that the bear would just be too damned hungry, would take the pain, and tear me limb from limb right there on the forest floor. But it worked, it actually worked. As soon as the grizzly hit that stinging, yellow mist, it stopped dead in its tracks, blinking its eyes before it began to violently sneeze and retch as the mace began to take effect. I didn't bother to stick around and revel in the victory, I mean, who would? I just ran, ran until my ankle felt like it was about to explode, but, thankfully, some small act of God's mercy lead me right back to my car. And somehow, I actually made it home, I lived to be able to tell this tale. But, when I did, I did a little research. 
what I thought was my little crow friend, what it seemed like a Disney-style friendship between Beauty and Beast, was anything but that. As it turns out, crows and bears have something of a special relationship. Often, upon sighting a wounded or infirm animal, a crow will fly down from a tree and call like the devil. Not out of any kind of concern, but in order to direct a large predator, often a bear, onto the wounded creature. Once the bear has finished chowing down, the crow can eat the scraps. And that day in the woods could have very well ended with me being the scraps. So I was probably the strangest thing someone saw. I was hiking a 14er in Colorado and at the point I am on the trail I am long past the tree line. The ecosystem at that point is called alpine tundra. Well while walking through this highland beauty I feel a familiar rumbly in my tummy. I have to shit. And not a little bit. It's a big boy. I can't hide behind anything in sight so I'm a little worried but I keep hiking. Maybe I'll find a boulder or a ridgeline to hide behind. Eventually things become dire. Necessity is, of course the mother of invention, and in this case the mother of creativity. I realize if I can find even a small boulder I can squat down so no one can see me. Eureka! I see a boulder probably 100 meters off the trail to the right. Far enough away that no one will see me. I run to the boulder and it is smaller than I hoped for but it'll do. I drop trout and take me dump. Instant relief, but with this relief came a terrible realization. I didn't bring toilet paper. I look around. Grass? Snow? Dear Lord a smooth stone? My kingdom for something paper. I open my backpack and thankfully find a scheduling permit for a licensing exam that I had taken. Not important but I didn't do stellar on the exam and was still bitter. I use the permit to wipe my rear and have another realization. While the boulder I am squatted behind hides me from the part of the trail I had come from I did not realize in my hast that roughly 20 meters further up the trail from where I had left it it takes a hard right. I am squatted, shitting, and wiping my ass with printer paper, completely exposed to hikers coming downhill. Not only that, but as I realize this there is a young woman hiking down towards my boulder where I am still crouched like Gollum looming over the precious, no pants, with a shit-stained scheduling permit in my hand. She avoided eye contact but she saw me. I knew it. She knew it. God knew it, and he was shaking his head. I did eventually make it to the top of the mountain and it was my first 14er. Never going to forget that view. I usually go for a walk in my local forest park, usually once a day. It's a good way for me to relax and there are some good trails since it's on a pretty steep hill. I was out for a walk one day when it happened to be pretty foggy one morning, there are some good views in the area especially on some of the steeper trails, but you couldn't see them because the maximum visible range at this point was 5 to 10 meters away. The park also happens to be near a high school, to the point where you can easily go into the park from a short two-minute walk. So it was a popular place for students to go if they wanted to cut class. Sure enough, there were some students who were hiding at one of the hiking trails from the park rangers who would have hauled their asses back to the school. And in the fog, blasting on a Bluetooth speaker, two cheeky men were playing the theme song of Silent Hill. I live in the Charleston area of West Virginia. The woods don't get too deep around here but there are some cool trails if you know where to look. Me and a buddy of mine were hiking along a local trail and we ran into a pickup truck. There were two men standing on both sides of the truck where the doors are located. We then saw a woman's feet sticking out from one of the doors. The men had their pants pulled down and that's when we realized we walked in on a threesome. We were a little weirded out so we ventured off the trail to avoid them. We ran into them a little bit later and one of the men asked us for directions. The other two I presume were in the truck. It was definitely a strange situation and I really hope it a was a mere threesome and not something more sinister. 
I was hiking in the sense that I ran full clip from high school after getting caught with a camel bock of rum and coke. The campus police and the vice principal chased after me initially, but thankfully the vice had one leg that was shorter than the other and the cops were 60 pounds overweight. I didn't really have a plan once I lost them in the woods, so I just started walking for a few hours. After about two hours a guy with no shirt, a walking stick, and cut-off jean shorts appeared out of nowhere. He looked like BTK, and told me to be careful around here because property owners have pulled guns on him for walking in the area. I told him, thanks, and started running at a moderate pace again. One time while deep in our forest rooting around in the National Forest our group had been exploring old logging roads. One that we drove down had an abandoned trailer that had been shot 1000x and in a complete state of disrepair. Littered around the camp were signs tacked onto trees that read Anunnaki go home and one other that said some other weird cryptic message that I couldn't figure out. Definitely got some spooky vibes from there and haven't been able to locate the area afterwards thankfully. We were hiking near the Smokies to an old cemetery. There was no cell coverage, and we saw no other cars at the trailhead, which down a few miles down a gravel road. As we hiked there were crows, we think, making sounds like crying children off in the distance. My daughter being a typical teen walked quickly ahead of us out of sight. Then she came running back with a terrified look on her face. Up ahead there was a man in a plaid flannel shirt and a huge knife sharpening a long thick stick into what looked like a spear. We all stopped in our tracks not sure what to do. It turned out that he was making himself a walking stick and cutting the bark off the top. He smiled and we walked past. At least we think he was making a walking stick. Maybe he decided there were too many of us? Deep in the Everglades swamps in Florida, we hiked through a nest of banana spiders, big spiders, huge webs, and came across a raised wooden dock, T-shaped and painted black with random white paint markings all over it, sitting in the middle of nowhere on an open area of black mud with a bunch of holes like a sponge. We were standing on it when a few dozen raccoons silently came out of the swamp, walked towards us, dipping their hands in the holes, under the dock, and back into the swap. We were just standing there when our friend calls us over to the long end of the dock. Looking down the length of the dock the random white marks seen from that angle formed a huge goat's head, like Baphomet. Did I mention where we're on LSD? We stood there for a while trying to figure out if we had slipped into the spirit world, but decided we had enough of satanic spiders, raccoons and swamp dwellers, so we went to the beach instead. Hiking in Colorado near Kings Valley with a friend. After a long hike we reached a peak near a cliff. I noticed some logs neatly arranged, I thought it was a fire pit, with bones scattered around. My initial thought was that we found someone's hunting camp which I thought was pretty cool. My friend says this isn't a campsite. It's an altar. With this new perspective I quickly realized he was right. The logs weren't arranged in a circle. They were a star. Animal skulls were hanging on the trees in a rough circle around the star. There were also bones at the bottom of the cliff. Instantly got that we're being watched feeling when we put it all together. Creepy as F. We left in a hurry. I was exploring one time in this limestone quarry with steep 1000 feet vertical wooded slopes, big crevices in the rocks, lots of dense brush and old grown and wood roads. No trails or anything, wah a couple miles outside of town. Heard stories about a person living in that quarry but never took it seriously. Once I got toward the highest part of the quarry, I noticed this really sweet spot in the cliffs, protected by a bunch of cedars out of the wind, tucked into big pieces of limestone immediately caught my eye as a perfect spot to hang out and take in the view. Upon going to check it out, 
came around the rocks to see a super nicely constructed cedar cabin built into the cliffside. Fresh cut firewood, clothes on the line, definitely someone around, holy f I got out of there quick. Thought for sure the person had to have seen me snooping, but I never saw them. Once while camping out on land outside of Las Vegas, we took a walk to the middle of nowhere. When I looked down I saw what could only be described as a pork loin with wires coming out of it. In hindsight, it was a huge dildo slash vibrator that had melted. Anyway, a few feet away was a smashed 35mm camera with film in it. My friend took the film, against everyone's better judgment, to CVS to get developed. They had it for well over a month, probably passing the photos around thinking they were my friend, ha. Huh? When we finally got the photos they were all of a man sitting in his car wearing women's underwear and masturbating. Apparently, he felt so much shame afterward that he smashed the evidence. Poor guy, couldn't let his freaky flag fly. Signs warning me to go back where I came from, I went past those signs and seen a blow-up doll tied up to a tree. I didn't stay and check the doll, I turned back and walked back to the main trails, context, I'm a guy who loves to hike off of trails and form new trails for me and me alone, so I like to hike in deep woods for fun, even at night but one night I was on a trail and jumped off it to walk through the woods, but my flashlight shined over a white metal sign with graffiti over it saying turn back, so I thought okay maybe this is for wild animal reasonings, because my state is famous for its coyotes, so I pulled out my sword and got ready for any animals and kept walking, until I noticed a tree with three ropes tied around it and as a curious guy I am, I checked it out, the doll scared the shit out of me but after getting a good glimpse of it, the roper went around her neck, waist and ankles, I looked around hoping to see beer cans and condoms, thinking maybe this is a hangout for some sick hillbillies, but when I saw nothing I went back and never went back to it. So I studied outdoor education for a year at uni and we spent a week out in the bush camping and studying wildlife. Three days and we were on a hike and we came by a witch hunt looking thing. There were no roads around for miles no nearby houses or anything. Not even a creek. It was creepy as f, the whole thing was made out of logs and branches and bark from nearby. It had runes painted in black charcoal on the inside and outside, and had remnants of lots of animals that had been pulled apart. Not rabbits or small game but things like ravens. We were all confused by it and thought it was creepy and just continued on our hike. No one ever really spoke about it. It was probably just some kids practicing Wiccan or something. Probably. I was hiking in Corsica. It was pretty normal to meet cows standing in the middle of the paths where the mountains were not so steep. But once we got to Mountain Saddle, had a break and we were enjoying the view. The area was rocky, no grass anywhere and it was quite steep too. And suddenly we saw a cow, normal cow you see in on a farm, almost on the top of one rocky mountain. A professional climber would have problem to get there. There were no paths. And it was just chilling there. I don't know whether it was able to climb down or what happened to it, but it was unbelievable. It was pretty early in the hiking season, though no snow on the ground. I'm hiking through a sparsely wooded portion of the woods and some strange noises, though clearly human. As I advance on the trail I see this dark-haired guy banging a blonde lady just a short distance from, and facing the trail she has her hands on a stump, bent over a bit. I continue to hike and attempt to not look at them as I approach. I keep my eyes forward as I pass and the guy yells at me, we know you saw us. And the lady says, wanna join? To which the guy says, no. No, she joking. We've had a lot of mushrooms and coke. All while they are banging. I continued to walk but hurried some. 
they seem to continue their own exercise. Story from a relative. He was at a hot springs up the Stikine River, only way to get to is by jet boat. If you've been up the Stikine, you know the one. It's in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness with really nothing around it besides forests and bears. He was in the tub with a person of the opposite sex you know getting it on. As he was looking out at the beautiful vista of the mountains and his friend, a squad of 10 soldiers, most likely some high-level special forces, in full camo clothing, face paint, guns, big packs etc. emerged out of the woods. They proceeded to walk past him and his friend without word and then just disappeared back into the forest. Back when I was 13 I got sent to a new vision wilderness camp, we were somewhere along the Canadian border above Minnesota. As we were walking, we came across a 50 to 60 foot tree that had its bark peeled back from the very top all the way down in two parts, leaving a super smooth under the bark slash moist part of the tree exposed. It looked like a giant banana, and the counselors had no idea what to make of it. And it had just happened because the under the bark part of the tree was still super white and wet, there was no burn marks like if it had got struck by lightning and it wasn't even the tallest tree in that general spot, man it was so weird. Found a weird shack in the woods, it's a place we went semi-frequently once a year or so, we went a little off trail this time but had been in the area before and no shack. So we go in said shack, it's full of what I can only describe as fetish BDSM and possibly child porn sex toys, magazines etc. It was February so I just cleared the ground around it and lit it on fire. It burned straight down no issues. As the crow flies there was a school backing onto this forest not too far away. I had something happen to me recently that I can't explain, but it was a doppelganger of my cat that I saw. I had just gotten into bed after locking down the house for the night. All the lights were off, but the light from the digital clocks on the oven and microwave, the kitchen is across from the master bedroom, gave enough light to see from my room, through the living room and into the kitchen. After settling into bed, I heard a noise that sounded like our pantry door moving and sat up in bed to look for what I thought was one of my kids. After a few seconds of not seeing anything, I watch my cat leave his bed, it's a cardboard scratching box that is tucked away on the other side of my nightstand. I can't see it while laying down in bed, and walk toward the kitchen to investigate. I stayed in bed expecting to hear the cat encounter whoever was up and try to convince them to feed him. He has this habit of requesting that people walk him to his food bowl by meowing loudly and shepherding them toward his bowl. I watched the doorway for about a minute or two without looking away before I got up due to the lack of any sound in the house. When I got up to take a step toward the kitchen, something caught the corner of my eye. It was my cat in his bed. I could now see his bed as my line of sight was no longer obscured by the nightstand. He hadn't moved. I was more confused than creeped out about it, so I started checking around the house for an extra cat or one of my kids being up and fumbling around the house. I was the only one up. I woke up my wife and told her what I saw. She didn't believe me. About 15 years ago I was trying to sleep when my ex got out of bed to get ready for work. He would sometimes do a workout before a shower but for some reason he decided to do his workout in the bedroom. I was really tired and tried to keep sleeping. I hadn't opened my eyes yet. But his breathing was getting really heavy and raspy and I was unable to get back to sleep. His breathing was so heavy and weird I got so mad. I turn over and open my eyes to tell him to shut up only to find nobody in the room. The breathing suddenly stopped and I got a chilling feeling. Then I stepped out to find he had been upstairs in the shower. When I was like 13 to 14 years old I headed off to bed and went to sleep. 
Well my mother swears she was woke up in the middle of the night and she didn't know by what so she got up to check locks on doors and such and just make a round through the house. When she passed my room she saw lights flickering through the crack under the door like I had the TV on and she said when I come back by you better have that TV off and be in bed. It was like 3 am and I had school in the morning. Well when she came back around the lights were still on so she burst into my room ready to yell at me and says it was pitch black and I was sound asleep. She asked me about it the next morning and I had no idea what she was talking about. She said it was the strangest thing because the lights visible under my door were bright and flickering but as soon as the door opened they were just gone. I also slept with blankets over my windows to keep all the light out so there wasn't really anything that could have caused the phenomenon. Neither of us ever looked up or anything and now all I can think is some backwards head lady was chilling on the roof. When we first bought our house we kept our apartment for a few months so. We could take time to clean and paint. One day in was at the house cleaning and my wife had planned to stop at the apartment for a carload of boxes after work. I was cleaning the office room when my brother-in-law called to say he was heading over with a housewarming gift. As I am on the phone I see my wife walk in the room and she quietly asks who is on the phone? I tell her and she turns and walks out. I tell dot my brother-in-law see you in a few amd hang up and walk out. When you walk out of the office you can see the driveway out the window opposite the door. I don't see my wife's car. She was maybe 5 seconds ahead of me and walking out the door. I walk all the way out to the driveway amd there is no car. Just as in start to panic. Her car comes down the road and she pulls in. There was no time for her tongue a outside start the car and leave. Plus her car was old. I would have heard it start. A few months later after we had settled in we had a closet full of boxes that had not been sorted out. In was home from work and had set about clearing these boxes. To access the closet you have to close the door to the room then open the closet door. I had all the boxes pulled out and the room door closed. I hear the back door to the house open, and my wife's voice talking to our cat. I also hear the cat, who always greeted us with lots of meows, talking to her. It is mud day and she was not out of work until 5. It takes a good minute to clear the boxes amd open the door. I walk out saying hey what are you doing home so early she is not there, just the cat looking confused. Doors are all locked. I start to panic because of hearing creepy stories about people visiting loved ones at the moment of their death I call her office and she answers. Her office is 45 minutes away from our house. When I told her about these two incidents she told me it was her verdogger. And this has happened before. Her college roommate had encountered it a few times too. Getting ready to go out, me and my partner's son were standing in the kitchen talking. We hear my partner come downstairs, he walks past the kitchen and goes into the living room. A minute or so later we hear my partner come down the stair, walk past and go into the living room. My partner's son looks at me confused and says didn't dad just come down? I was thinking exactly the same thing. We heard and saw him come down the stairs and go past a minute before and he never went back up. We would have seen from where we were standing, it is a clear unobstructed view into the hallway where he has to walk. My partner didn't know what we were talking about. It was bizarre, I'm not usually a believer in these things. Never happened since and I'm not sure how both of us thought the same thing. We had dogs but they don't look or sound anything like a man walking past. I was probably 7 years old, not older. Me and my mom were walking to my grandparents place and passed a small parking lot near a local shop. There was a car and my granddad was sitting on the back seat. We both recognized him immediately and waved and called to him, but he didn't answer. It was all very odd. We didn't understand why he hadn't answered and why even he's in a home unfamiliar car. No one from the family owned a car like that. 
and we didn't understand why he's outside on the first place as me and mom were on our way to pay him and my grandma a visit. We decided to leave granddad alone and went inside the shop to buy some snacks. When we went out there were some unfamiliar men standing around that car. My mom shared an idea that granddad decided to go fishing. He had some friends from work with whom he often went to one camping and they had a fishing weekend. Granddad was in fact supposed to go there by bus the next day and mom supposed that her father just took a lift from some of his buddies. We went to my grandparents place knowing that granddad left, but surprisingly he was home. We asked him about what he was doing in the car 15 minutes ago, but he in fact was home since morning. My grandma and my mom's sister confirmed that. We are not originally from this area, so no long-lost cousins, no out-of-wedlock half-siblings, nothing like that could explain it. And both me and mom are 100% sure we saw granddad, my mother's father. We recognized even his clothes, his hat and coat. I was probably somewhere between 10 to 12 at the time. Dad had died within a year or two at that point so it was just my mom, younger brother, and I. My brother and I were each playing around in our own rooms, which were next to each other, and mom was gathering laundry. At one point I left my room and noticed how silent the house suddenly sounded. I checked my brother's room. Empty. Walked down the hall to my mom's room. Empty. From there it's one and only one route through the house, via the living room to the kitchen, and downstairs to the laundry room in the basement, where I assumed I would finally find my mom and brother. I walked the whole path without finding a soul. I came back upstairs quickly, now pretty spooked. I doubled back through the house, checking each room, and nobody was there. At that point the only thing I could think of was they either went out into the yard or went out somewhere without telling me, so I went out the back door. Mom's car was still there, but there was nobody in the backyard, so I circled the entire house. No sign of anyone. Not knowing what else to do I went back inside and ran right into my mom who was carrying a laundry basket toward the basement steps. I tried explaining what just happened but just got brushed off as a kid with a crazy imagination. My brother was also right where I remembered him being playing on the floor in his room. That was around 30 years ago now and I still swear this happened. I don't know if I just stepped into an alternate universe for like 5 minutes or what, but for those 5 minutes I was definitely alone in that house when I shouldn't have been. Throughout my time in university residence, through a few rooms and a townhouse, I always had a closet visible to me from my bed. Around early 2009, before I had sought sleep clinic assistance, my auditory hallucinations had grown to audiovisual, with a man emerging slowly from my closet. His hands, eyes, and chest sprouted large dead tree limbs that terminated in dozens of spindly branches. I could always hear him first before he emerged. He never did get close to me, and usually I was able to disengage from my hallucination around the same time each episode, but this tree being haunted me for years. Finally, after significant efforts of a therapist and a sleep clinic, I was able to halt the sleep paralysis. Q2013. A bad movie comes out. Mr. Jones. I'm up late, scrolling Netflix, and on a stark red and black background is that goddamn tree man. The movie poster was an almost picture-perfect version of Mr. Jones, a full two years after my sleep paralysis stopped. It's silly and obviously coincidental, but seeing that damn silhouette after the torment I felt and after so much time shook my foundations a bit. I haven't seen or heard Mr. Jones since but I still recall that terror. 